Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. We'll be in the book of Galatians today, chapter 6. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our worship thus far. You are all the hero that we need, God. And Lord, I just pray as we continue in this worship, Lord, that we would glorify you through the reading of your word. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been your own worst enemy? Have you ever found that maybe sometimes you've got two left feet? Every time you try to take two steps forward, you take three steps back? How many other analogies can I make? Basically, sometimes we are our own worst enemy, and sometimes we get in our own way. And so I've been there, you've been there. So what do you do when you realize that you are the one that is causing your misdirection, that you are the one that you're just thinking, how in the world can I get out of this rut? Well, number one, experts say you got to remember why you're doing what you're doing. I think so many times the reason we get lost, the reason our gas runs out, the reason we stop pushing so hard for something is we lose the vision of why we started it in the first place. And I think that's forever our problem and forever our vision of what Satan wants to take away from us is that he wants us to forget why we are doing what we're doing. Whether it be being a loving spouse or whether it be being a student or a good worker or or providing a family or being active in a church and, and having a ministry, these kind of things, these things that we are doing, sometimes it's easy to forget why we're doing it. So we need to remember why we're doing it. Number two, what's going to happen if you keep on doing what you're doing? Many times we stop running and we stop striving because we lose the vision. And also when we start getting in our own way, we might get tired. Sometimes if we're tired, maybe we need to stop and take rest for a moment or maybe we just need to push on through it and keep moving. But when we get frustrated as believers, when we get frustrated about wanting to do the things that God wants us to do, and we feel like we're always getting in the way of ourselves, we can stop right there and we can pray. Because when we pray, that is where we find our power. And here's the big thing, is if it's not going like we think it ought to, we've got to stop comparing ourselves to other people. There is always going to be somebody that you think is better than you. There's always going to be somebody that you're going to think is prettier than you. You're always going to think that there is always somebody that makes more money than you. But the thing is, is that you might think that and you might be true, but that doesn't mean that that person you're comparing yourself to is happy about it. They may be comparing themselves to you. But yes, sometimes we feel like our own worst enemy. And and no matter how hard we try and how noble our intentions are, Sometimes life just plain isn't working for us, is it? Well, if that's you today, be encouraged because you're not alone. We all have felt that way at one time or the other. And they say that the definition of insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get different results. My friend, if you are in your own way and you wonder why it keeps happening, my prayer is for you today that you see why that's happening and stop it and not keep trying the same cycle over and over again and maybe you can break free from that today because today if you're spinning your wheels but going nowhere or getting in your own way you can take heart from the words that Paul writes to us and the first thing that we see is that you will always trip over yourself when you put yourself first 
You will always trip over yourself when you put yourself first. Let's read verses 1 through 3. Because we see that believers are called to help people in need. And it says, If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently, (laughs) gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourselves. You are not that important. Well, he's, pre- he's basically let him have it here, isn't he? And what we see here is that he says that believers are called to help people in need. And too many people, and myself included, sometimes when we come to church, it's all about what we can get out of church. And that is our first mistake. We are not here for us. We are here for him. We are here for those that are sitting in this room. We are here for those that are our homebound. We are here for those that are outside of these walls. And we are here. And sometimes we can get out of our own way if we stop looking down at our feet and start looking out at the mission God has given us to. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I hate climbing ladders. I do not climb ladders, but in some of the stuff I do, I have to climb ladders. Sometimes I've, I've climbed a hundred foot ladder before. It's not fun because a portly kid going up on a ladder, when you get up to the top and starts doing this and back and forth, what do they tell you to do? Don't look down. Don't look down. And, and I made a mistake. I looked down. And then you see all the stuff under you. But I remember a wise person said, if you're climbing the ladder and you're scared of heights, A, don't look down. But number two, if you keep your eye on the rung in front of you, you know, the thing you put your foot on. If you keep your eye on the rung in front of you and you keep climbing, you'll eventually reach the top. So after I got over my fear and I said, rung, 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 and keep climbing until finally I got to the top of that 100-foot ladder, and I was like, man, we did it. I locked in, and I prayed that I could get back down. (laughs) But the thing is, is that I stopped looking at my feet and where I was placing, and I just looked in front of me and looked at the rung and kept climbing. My friend... Let me tell you, let me encourage you in life, if it's not working like you think it ought to, get your eyes off of your feet and look up. What does it they say? The worst thing to do if you're running is to look back at the person that's, that's following you. Because if you're looking at the person behind you or beside you, it's slowing you down. We have to stay focused on others. And that's what Paul is teaching us here. And the other thing we see is that we need to focus Not only on other people, we need to focus who are struggling. Sometimes churches are the worst. And when they see another brother and sister down, they like to compare themselves to them and think how much better they are than them. It is a sin and God will judge any believer who sees another believer having a tough time and that person did not reach a hand out to help them. If you kick a believer when you're down, I doubt you even have the Holy Spirit inside of you. This place is not a place for saints. There is no saint in here. And just because my name 
and my title is pastor here, I am no better than any one of you. And there are days where I struggle and you help me. And prayerfully, there are days when you struggle and I help you. And that's what Paul is telling the church in Galatia. Don't be like these glory boys that just like the, the Lord, their, their power and their prominence over people. Folks, this place here is a hospital for sinners. And I don't know one person in a hospital that's not sick. And I don't know one person in a church that is not sick with sin. You are no better than me, and I am no better than you, and you are no better than that person beside you. As the scripture says here, if someone is hurting, we ought to help them without compromising ourselves. If you have a friend that's in quicksand, you don't jump in to save them. You anchor to the side, and you reach out, and you, you help them from a point of safety to help restore those who have fallen, or shouldn't we? We should always be ready to do that. The call for gentleness in verse 1 reminds me of those reeling from guilt that may feel weighed down by some type of heaviness. In that case, we ought to remind them that God's promise is full of forgiveness, and it's available for all. Whatever situation you're carrying in here... Whatever situation you're running around, Jesus says, take my yoke for my burden is light. I died for that. I will carry that for you if you will simply give it to me. And sometimes it's hard for us to do that. That's why it helps when we have Christian brothers and sisters that help take it off for us. We need to give help and we also need to get help. Verse 3 says, do not make the mistake. Boy, there is a great tragedy in thinking you are something when actually you're nothing. You see, pride will tell you that you don't need help. I remember one time there was this guy that uh, we got turned out for a structure fire one time. And I mean, it was rolling, rolling. I mean, when you pull off the truck, you're like, where are the marshmallows? Because it is that hot. And so we get up there and he is there with a garden hose. I got it. Y'all don't need to do anything. You can't make this up. And he said, hey, and I'm sure you guys have seen it too. It happens. I got this pride thinking that you can, can put out your huge house with a little bitty garden hose. But my friend, that is what too many people try to do with their selves and with their spirit life. Is they try to say, I don't need you and I don't need Jesus. I got this. Meanwhile, life is burning down around you. Don't be that guy who was literally burning up all around him and still refusing to seek help. There are people to help. Being part of a local church allows you to help others, others in the community, other believers like yourselves. And so being a part of the local church allows us to do that. And no one will truly appreciate the value of getting help from a church until they need it. I've been in that situation where I did not want to ask for help, but people gave it anyway. And when they gave it, I was glad they did. Because, look, I got a lot of pride in me, too. It's hard. It's harder, some of you that got some miles on you, isn't it? It's harder when you've got some miles on you and now you're having to depend on those kids that you raised. When you can't do what you want to do anymore. I watched my father weep one day because he couldn't do for himself what I was blessed with. To do for him. Don't let pride get in your way. God has equipped you to help others. It's up to you to respond to that. Also, verses 4 through 5, it says we need to stay in our lane. 
We need to stay in our lane. Verse 4 says, pay careful attention to your own work, then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we each are responsible for our own conduct. Folks, there is a huge danger in comparison. And take it from somebody who is a comparer of people. I compare myself to other preachers. I compare myself to other churches. We compare ourselves to other churches. And we will never be all that God wants us to be until we quit comparing ourselves to others and start comparing ourselves to Jesus Christ himself. For he is our model. Because when we compare, comparison feeds our insecurity. Comparison overestimates the view of other people. And comparison causes us to value ourselves less than the person or thing that we're comparing ourselves to. But comparison keeps us doing the work that God has called us to do. It keeps us from that. What will you tell your child when they are trying just like their friends, but you know... As their caregiver, they are equipped for so much more. You know that. You'll see a child that is, they're hanging out with a different crowd of friends. And they're doing stuff that you know that is below their skill level. And, and you know that they could do better. That's because that loved one is comparing themselves to those other people. And that's why you always want your children to pick the right friends. That's why you always want to put your children in the right situations. Give them every opportunity they have to be around the best so that they won't compare themselves to everyone, but they will be their own person. We need to stay in our lane and not compare ourselves to others. That's why race horses, they have what they call blinders. They put them and it's right by their eyes and so they cannot see the horse beside them, but they just run and run and run, never looking to the left or to the right. We need to not compare ourselves with others. We need to compare ourselves with Jesus because this will make a better you. This will feed your feelings of being accepted by God. And this will comfort you when you fall short. And his example will also give you strength. Also, we see in verse 7, to use your resources to support those who are teaching. It says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Yes, Paul was making a plea for the believers in the church of Galatia to provide for their teachers, sharing the good news with them. Think of your time and your talents and your money and how those can be used to further on the church and those who teach. Because not supporting a spiritual leader financially and for the physical needs shows a general lack of appreciation for them and the work that God is doing through them. Well, the next main point we see is that all of your decisions and actions will bring consequences. Our culture has lost sight of that. We live for today. We live for what we can put in our stomach. We live for what we can like on our Facebook feed. We live for anything that will make us look better in front of other people. And we're making decisions in the moment that will change our lifestyle. I used to tell kids in youth ministry, and they looked at me like I was dumb, but I would say, look, the guys and the girls that you date today will determine the kind of person you marry. Oh, come on. But it was true for many of them. I'm not saying that that's a 100% rule, but there's that rule. And there's also the one that says that you will marry, guys will marry a woman that's like his mother. Anybody want to raise? <laughs> Keep your hands down. 
Or that a woman will marry a guy who's like her father? That's, again, that's not 100%. But I'll tell you what is 100%. If you live for today with no thought of tomorrow, tomorrow will come and you will be behind. I can make that promise. It says in verses 7 through 10, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And just as the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. He says it plainly, folks, that we reap what we sow, so we should take the opportunity to bless those that we worship with and to encourage those that we worship with. And I'm going to tell you, I'm very, I'm very blessed to be a pastor at Homeland Park Baptist Church. I've heard from a number of people, oh, we're just a loving church. And we are. We got people, I mean, I, I have never met a church with this full of such lovely people. All of y'all are included. All right? Y'all are lovely people. But here's the danger. A lovely, a lovely, loving church, if they don't reach out, will become a clique and become exclusive. We've got to reach out beyond the walls. We've got to reach out beyond our pew or the pew beside us. And maybe one Sunday shake the hand of somebody you've never shaken before. Oh, preacher, you've gone to meddling now. I know we all have our comfort zone, but there is only one God and you are not Him. We see that in verses 7 and 8. Folks, you will always harvest what you plant. Do not think that you're going to beat the odds. Imagine a farmer surprised to plant peach trees and harvest bananas. It doesn't happen, does it? We do reap what we sow. The old saying, if you lie down with dogs that have fleas, you will come back with fleas, right? But... The truth is, if you treat people like trash, you will be treated like trash. If you gossip about people, they are gossiping about you, I promise. And if you treat someone nice, they will generally do the same. So if you wonder why you cannot trust your friends because they gossip and are backstabbers, you may need to look in your mirror first. Changing your attitude will change your friends. Changing your attitude will change your friends. Or changing your friends will change your attitude. Focus on pleasing God, folks, not yourself. Every action has a result. And if you live to please God, you will harvest godly rewards, which are peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is being steady and secure in the midst of conflict. It will give you contentment. You don't need to have the next thing. You can be happy with what you've got right now. A new iPhone has come out. Anybody got to have a new iPhone? It's almost just like the other one. And the one before that. And all these companies are doing this. Every year. Oh, you thought you had the best phone. We've got the best phone this year. And you will never catch up on that cycle. And folks, there's always going to be the world saying, if you try this one thing, And give me your money, then you will be better for it. And that's not always the case. We need to seize the opportunities to do good. And we need to use what God has given us. And then the third point we see is that your life is transformed by the cross. Your life is transformed by the cross. So live that way. 
You see, in verses 11 through 13, Paul was adding a personal touch. He talked about the fact that he used his own handwriting and his own big letters. Because a lot of this he was giving, and there was a scribe that was writing down what he was saying. But I don't know about you, but when I write letters or I send home postcards or I do something that's from me, even if there's a bunch of copies of it, I like to take a pen and sign my own name on it. Just because it shows ownership, it shows I took the time to do it, and it shows that this was important to me. And so Paul, when he signs, he said that I am writing this myself, you know that this is very important Paul is communicating his investment and his love and his feelings and his emotions toward the church at Galatia. And Paul addresses those still holding on to the Jewish tradition rather than the gospel of Jesus. You see, many hardline Jews wanted circumcision to still be a requirement for salvation because they wanted to hang on to their rules and their power. But Paul was saying, no, that's not the case. Paul was addressing those who still were holding on to Jewish tradition Rather than the gospel of Jesus. Now, now hold on for a second. Of all these things that they were doing, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, by grace alone, are we saved. These groups of people, these hardliners were saying, no, that we want to keep circumcision. We want to keep our tradition as necessary for salvation. Now he said, well, that... That's a long time ago. I don't really understand what you're saying, preacher. Folks, we cannot pick and choose and add or take away from the gospel. It's not you are saved if you have the blood of Jesus Christ and you don't wear a hat in church. Or you are saved in Jesus Christ if you wear the right clothes or say the right things or do the right things. We cannot pick and choose. We cannot make allowances for some sins. While condemning others, there are people that will hop on the bandwagon of a gender or homosexuality or all that kind of stuff. And and look, those are sin and those are wrong. But so are the ones that are pointing them out in hate. So are the ones that have impure thoughts. So are the ones that are lying, stealing and cheating on their spouse. Sin is sin. So don't pick handpick one and rally on that one while you've got a, a bucket full of them on your own. And that's what Paul is saying, is that it's not just about this one thing. I'll go ahead and tell you, if you go to the movies, you're not going to go to hell. If you play cards, you're not going to go to hell. The only reason people go to hell is because they choose to follow the devil rather than Jesus. Point blank. All are sins and all are wrong and all are covered by the blood of Jesus. So if you and I will just confess those sins and choose to turn away from them by turning to Jesus, our ultimate forgiver and leader. Galatians six fourteen through 16 says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God grant peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. Folks, get out of your own way by following the way of the cross. This message of the world is loud and it attempts to drown out the cross. You and I must stay laser focused 
on the message of the cross. When you are traveling and looking for directions, do you want to stop and talk to somebody at a rest area that's traveling just like you are? Hey, man, how do I get to so-and-so? I don't know. I'm from Texas. Well, how about you? Where are you from? I'm from Louisiana. Is there anybody from here that can tell me how to get to the gas station? You want to find somebody that is local. You want to find somebody that's been there. And my friend, listen, if you are looking for direction in your life, Jesus has been there. And he can give you good, honest, and accurate information. Because if you are living shallow Christianity, you are living shallowly. If you've got just enough church and just enough Jesus to feel guilty about the sins that you make, but you refuse to repent and you refuse to confess and you refuse to serve, you are going to live a cycle in life of defeat and unhappiness and discontentment because you're not living up to the commitment that you wanted to live to, but you're not taking it serious enough to ask for forgiveness and to turn from it. We need to walk and talk as a transformed believer. What does that mean? Let me show you. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. My friend, if you are thinking the same way and doing the same things that you've always done, yet profess to make a profession of faith that Jesus Christ is your Savior, but there is no change and there is no fruit or any showing that there is there, my friend, you are on shaky ground because you think you're saved and you're not. Because if you are saved, your life will be transformed. You won't think the way you used to think. You won't act the way you used to act. It won't be immediate, but it is a process. The next thing that we see is we see in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. We see in verse 17 that we need to tell the story of our scars. For his glory. It says in verse 17, Don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Ain't it great to sit around talking to people about your scars? You have one, you know, if you're in a group of people, I guarantee you, if one of you says, You see this scar? I got a scar on my hand where I was a kid, uh, jumping a bicycle on a ramp. And a rock got under it, and I still got that scar to this day. And all that takes is one person, and what's going to happen? Oh, you got a scar. Let me show you my scar. Everybody's talking about scar, 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 scar. And it never fails. I told you about this. Every preacher has seen this. You walk into a hospital room. Hey, preacher, you want to see my scar? No! <laughs> this one fellow did it one time. He said, preacher, you want to hear your scar? And I'm like, well, I don't know. He doesn't even flinch. Zoop! The whole thing comes up, and he is cut from the neck down. Everywhere. But Paul was saying, look, here's where I was put in chains. Or, or this is where I was beaten. This is where this happened. This is where that happened. My friends, why do we tell people about our scars? Because our scars have memories. When we see scars, we remember the pain. But we also see healing. Amen. And my friends, I know of a man that has scars in his hands. And scars in his feet that prove his love for you. That if you will simply get out of your way, He will lead you in His way. Don't be that person that lives in the land of, if I ever. 
Don't live in the land of if I ever. You and I will always trip over ourselves by living in a me first and if I ever attitude. If I ever become a teenager, if I ever become able to drive, if I ever get a job, if I ever get married, if I ever have children, if I ever get enough money, if I ever get enough to retire, enjoy the money I made, all of these if I ever's. What happens when you get that if I ever? You move on to the next one, don't you? A vicious cycle of not being fulfilled. So if you're searching for happiness and fulfillment today, my friend, I promise you, it is out there. Letting go of the control of your life is a scary thing. But giving control to God by the way of the cross will set you on a course to joy, peace, and contentment. So get out of your own way. Yield to Jesus and watch what happens when he takes over. Don't take my word for it, folks. Take Paul's word for it. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I promise you, if you make that your focus, you will get out of your way because you will be following His way. And His way starts with saying, I know I've messed up my life. I know that I am a sinner. And I know that I need forgiveness. And I know that I want Him to come into my life.